Welcome to the TCU Chi Alpha podcast, where we share sermons, interviews, and other resources that encourage and challenge students as they follow Jesus on campus. One of the cool things that we uh, get to do here in Chi Alpha is we have friends from all over the city. Alicia and I have been here nine years now. But we're just here on campus. We're not, we don't consider ourselves a church on campus. We consider ourselves part of the church, right? And so we have a campus ministry here, but there are incredible churches all throughout the city. Some of them that you guys go to, some of them you guys maybe have never heard of, <laughs> but there's incredible men and women of God that serve Jesus, that are fighting for this city, fighting for young adults, fighting for old adults, fighting for kids in this city um, to win them to Jesus, to extend God's kingdom in this city. And one of those folks that have have been just such an encouragement to Alicia and I is Della Chris. Della is the young adults pastor at Movement City Church in South Fort Worth. So if you guys are still looking for a church, check out Movement City. A lot of our friends are there. A lot of our friends are on staff there. Just a wonderful, wonderful church. But Del and her husband, Meyer, and their family have just been such an encouragement to Alicia and I. Um, We've learned so much from them. We've been challenged by their love, their conviction, their their walk with Jesus, um, the way that they minister, the way that they lead their family. Um, They've been such an encouragement to us. And I believe that God has laid a word on her heart tonight for us. Can you guys make Della feel welcome today? Guys, I'm so excited about tonight. This is cool. Um, I don't know. I don't really have any funny stories to start off with to tell y'all. Um, but I do have a word that I feel like the Lord uh, laid on my heart. Um, but first, I do want to introduce myself really quick, if that's cool with you guys. Um, my name is Della Chris, like Andrew said. And um, unfortunately, I went to the University of Texas at Austin. Hook them. Yeah. Can y'all do the horns for me? I just want, I want to see it. But no. Oh, that's rude. We got the horns down. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, but I studied business there, and um, I was talking to, I believe, Asia. She's like, oh, do you still do that? I was like, nah. <laughs> you know, God has a sense of humor. That's, a, that's another talk for another, another day. Um, but no, it was really cool there, and I was actually a part of a fellowship very similar to you guys's, and um, it changed my life. It really did. And I just want to encourage you guys. Um, well, here's the truth. When you leave here, you're not going to experience anything like this. Okay? And I'm not trying to be negative, Nancy. But I'm just trying to, I'm trying to be real with you guys. And I just want you guys to lean in. Okay? Lean into these meetings here. Lean into your small groups. Go, don't skip your discipleship meetings like I did. Right? Like... <laughs> You know, lean in. What you put in is what you get out. So go to those mission trips. I mean, my husband's life was radically changed on one of those mission trips. And what's funny, this ain't on my notes, but I'm going to share it so y'all can sign up for these mission trips. Listen, we went on a mission trip in inner city Austin, and there, uh, there were a bunch of refugee kids, and they were playing soccer. And my husband was having the time of his life playing soccer with these kids. And we got to share the gospel with them and all the things, right? Guys, fast forward, my husband, he's a football coach, but for some reason he likes FIFA, like the soccer game, and they asked him to be a soccer coach, and guess what? His high school has the highest number of refugees in Fort Worth. Look how intentional God is. Isn't that crazy? Like just full circle, okay? So sign up for these mission trips. Alicia paid me to say all of that. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But for real, this is, this is cool stuff. Um, but yes, I was in a ministry like y'all's. I met my husband there and um, he is a football coach in, at Odie White High School. 
And um, like Andrew said, I'm the young adults pastor at Movement City Church. And so, and we have four children. And so our lives are very full. And when people say their lives are very full, <laughs> they're stressed out. Pray for them, okay? That's just, that's the cute way to say that we're stressed, okay? Um, but yeah, can we just pray and jump in? Um, Holy Spirit, would you just have your way? If there's anything in me, Lord, that is not of you, would you remove it? God, would our focus be on you tonight and what you would have for our lives? Amen. Okay, guys, I have this grandmother through marriage. It's it's Meyer's grandmother, um, and we call her Mother Elizabeth, okay? And I love me some Mother Elizabeth. She lives, like, on the south side of Dallas, and she's such a sweet woman. Um, what I love about her, she will literally talk to you about the goodness of the Lord, and then she will cuss you out in the same sentence. Like, but she loves the Lord, and I just love it, okay? I love it. Any, y'all have family members like that? No, just me? Okay. Yeah, a few over here. Okay, that's okay. Um, <laughs> and so we went to visit her um, one holiday or whatever, and we were sitting there, and my husband has this terrible habit, y'all. It makes me mad. Um, like, if he's somewhere and, like, it smells off, you know what I mean? Because, you know, like, with older people, like, it's hard to clean. It's hard. You know, you can't, you just can't do all the things. You're older, it's harder, right? And so there was, like, a smell, an obvious smell in the house. But my husband has this habit, like, anytime he's somewhere and he doesn't like the smell, he, like, he just stands there and I'm like yo like that's so annoying and so he acts like nobody can see it but he literally looks like he's about to die and so he's doing this at her house and mother Elizabeth being the real one that she is she calls him out and I am so happy inside I'm just so happy because I'm tired of him doing this right so she's like oh baby she's like I know I know it smells in here and so as she's calling him out I'm just smiling and then she said something that I will never forget, right? She said, I know it smells in here. She goes, but keep on living, baby. Just keep on living. And I was like, oh, that's pretty deep and profound. And for some reason, it just stuck with me. And I feel like, I feel like there's moments where in life, okay, so some people will be like, oh, you like being married. (laughs) Just wait, you're in the honeymoon phase, right? (laughs) Or they're like, you like being a mom. Mm, just wait till they're teenagers, right? Oh, you healthy and sexy plexi now. Wait till you're 30, right? Everything falls apart. That's negativity, right? That's not wisdom. But I do believe there's something to say about this concept of there's just a what life has a way if you just keep on living to give you this sense of humility, right? And When we're judging, because we all do it, right? Like, why is she wearing them shoes? Why does she say that, right? Why is she looking like that? Why do they live over there on that side of town? Why do they wear this? Why did they vote for X, Y, Z, right? We all have a way of doing that. But there's just this beauty of life to where if you just keep on living, it just gives you a certain understanding for the human race. Guys, I believe in this world that we live in that's driven by anxiety, fear, and depression with suicide being at an all-time high. I believe that grace is one of the key things that we're missing. I believe grace for ourselves. I mean, grace for one another and grace for ourselves. So I want to start with grace for one another. And I want to share with you guys a few of the reasons that I feel like we struggle to have grace for one another and for others, right? Um, will you guys turn with me to John chapter 8? 
And we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. I'm going to read that for you really quick. Then they all went home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Okay. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his fingers. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote in the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. I see a few things that stand out here. In verse 4 and 5, the religious leaders were trying to say it was about her sin, right? They were like, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. But the truth is, they were more focused on their personal and political agendas, right? In verse 6, they were using the question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. They were being manipulative instead of being more focused on seeing their sister live a life free of sin. The number one rebuttal I hear amongst Christians, because, you know, sometimes as Christians we get nervous when we start talking about grace. I don't know what it's about. But the number one rebuttal I hear is, yes, yes, there's truth, though. There's also truth. And, yes, there is truth. And the religious leaders, they knew the law, right? But their hearts weren't right. If your heart and intentions aren't right, grace can't live there. Another reason I feel like we struggle to have grace is because whatever, for whatever reason, if we're honest, we don't recognize that we too struggle and need grace. Like we say it in our circles, right? We say, well, we've all fell short of the glory of God. But I don't think we recognize that the very moment <laughs> that, we, that we go to God and say, God, look at their sin. But they're doing this. Their sin is bigger than mine. Right, The moment we're gossiping, the moment where we feel like we've made it to a point where we can talk about somebody else, at that very moment is the moment that we've let pride in, and for that, we need grace. Let's look back at verse 7, where it says, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw the stone. And then in verse 9, where they started to walk away, because again, keep on living, right? Just keep on living. None of them were qualified, right? The Bible does say we all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God in Romans 3 and 23. And that's just truth. If you're struggling to extend grace to people, oh, that's a big, what is that, a mosquito? No. (laughs) I feel you, girl, don't. (laughs) 
I'm sorry. If you're struggling to extend grace for other people, let me give you a quick question to ask yourself every time you're about to judge, okay? But before I do that, I have a feeling some of you are completely dismissing this talk. You're like, girl, I don't struggle with that. I'm so gracious. I'm just like Mary, right? Um, But listen, let me give you some more examples. Have you ever gossiped about your stupid boss or professor? Because sometimes those professors, y'all. What about your parents, right? Are you still holding on to the way that your parents should have raised you, what they should have done? Judgment looks so many different ways. And we can be so quick to think that we don't struggle with this. But it, it manifests itself in different ways, right? So if you're struggling to give grace to other people, ask yourself, do I have the right to throw the stone? And, even, and an even better question is, If I throw the stone, will it lead to actual heart change? Because if you look back at our passage, verse 10, Jesus asked the woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And then in verse 11, no, sir, she said, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and and, and leave your life of sin. If we look back at verse 3, the Pharisees and and religious leaders got one thing right. They brought the sinner to Jesus. And it wasn't until she was able to encounter Jesus that true change could possibly happen. Guys, it'll never be our judgment. It'll never be our our gossip, our harsh words, our tweets, our angry texts that gets people to say, yes, I want to know who Jesus is. That has never happened. No one has ever said, I saw that one Christian make that angry sign and they were marching around and I just fell to my knees and wanted to know the goodness of the Lord. Right? It sounds crazy, but sometimes in the moment, I almost feel like we think that's effective ministry, right? <laughs> in this Christian walk, there is truth and there is accountability. And you can't, you can't run this race without those things. But today I'm talking about grace. Grace will be required if we're going to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Grace will be required for us to lock arms with people from different races and backgrounds. Grace will be required for us to come together as Democrats and Republicans, vaxxed and unvaxxed, right? Y'all can say amen. Um, Right, young and old, grace will be required because the truth is now more than ever, the people we encounter are going to be from different walks of life. Just the mere idea of the the internet is making the world so much smaller. So the chances of everybody that we meet, right, having the exact same views as as us is going to be rare now. Guys, (laughs) if we just stop at the place of our differences, right, arguing about our differences and trying to get people to think like us, we're going to kill the Great Commission right there. Right, Because our job was never to get people to think like us. Our job was to point people to Jesus. And until we understand grace, we will never understand and fulfill our assignment. Another reason I feel like many of us struggle to give grace is for some crazy reason, we feel like we did something back in the day to earn this life, right? And to get to live a life as believers. As though it's by our works that we have been called sons and daughters of the Most High. And what I love about God is he can do whatever he wants to do, right? So he could have made this thing to where we 
earn grace, where we earn salvation, where something that we do, we earn it. But he didn't because I feel as though he knew. He knew us. He knew that would lead us directly to pride. Let's look at Ephesians 2, 4 through 9. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in his mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not for yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Y'all, I don't even have to preach that passage. Grace. We didn't earn it, and we don't deserve it. Period. The last reason I feel like we struggle to extend grace for ourselves is because we suck at receiving grace. I mean, the last reason I feel like we suck at receiving grace for y'all, giving grace, y'all help me out, giving grace to others is because we suck receiving grace for ourselves, right? We can't grasp this concept of extending grace because we don't even know what that feels like to receive it. I mentioned earlier about anxiety, depression, right, fear. Y'all, we're living in the middle of a mental health pandemic more than anything, if you ask me. We live in a time where people really believe their next move has to be their best move, right? Or if I don't look like a size zero like Sally, the, the influencer on Instagram, then my life is not worth it, right? Or if I don't marry Mr. Perfect, then... Oh my gosh, what will I do in my life? Or if you don't ace the next test, get the, the good job, then your parents gonna be mad and then your life is worthless. Y'all, these are all lies from the enemy and it's rarely that deep. It's usually never that deep, right? In fact, the, the thoughts that I just listed, they're actually really stupid and they don't make any logical sense. And y'all are probably like, dang, stupid, that's a little extreme. No, I use that word on purpose because I struggled with some of these thoughts. I struggled with some of these thoughts. But for some reason, when I was typing them down, it sounded crazy. And when I said them out loud, it doesn't make any sense. And I'm not trying to minimize mental health issues, right? I believe in Jesus therapy and sometimes Medicaid. I believe in all that, right? I believe Jesus can work through those, those avenues. But I want us to understand the fact that when I'm replaying these thoughts in my head throughout the day, I don't see nothing wrong with them. But when I write them down on paper and say them to you, they seem crazy, that should let us know the enemy is working overtime to make these abnormal thoughts seem normal to us. Guys, we're called to be sons and daughters of the Most High. That's it. That's our number one job. This is the only thing worth living and dying for. We have to grasp that. It breaks my heart knowing that people are thinking about taking their own life over some of the nonsense that I listed earlier. I love what Pastor Tony Evans says. He says, God is our source and everything else is a resource. When we switch those things up, that's when we get in trouble. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. I'm going to read this one from my Bible. It'll make me look really spiritual. Um, this is one of my favorite passages. Um, 
Paul's talking about a thorn in his flesh, right? Like a shortcoming, kind of like something you feel like you need an Instagram filter for, right? A weakness. Okay, he's talking, and he's, he's asking the Lord. But then the Lord said, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. My grace is sufficient for you. That means it's more than enough. You don't need drugs, alcohol, a large following, or a dream job. And his power is made whole in our weakness. This, tell me, this tells me he knew there were going to be moments that we couldn't handle, that we were going to be weak. So stop thinking that there's something wrong with you because you can't handle the load that you're carrying. You weren't supposed to. The power of God is bigger than any 10-step plan, any additional course you can take, any additional degrees you can get, right? The, any more money that you can acquire. The power of God is bigger than that. And I know it sounds like, please stick with me. I know it sounds like I'm up here preaching elementary concepts, but we say this in here, then we leave and go cry in our bedrooms like this is not truth, the power of God is bigger than that. And this isn't in my notes, but I feel like there's someone in here sitting and thinking because of some grade that messed up, some college plan that didn't go the way you thought or you didn't get accepted into whatever school, you're literally thinking your future is over. That is a lie from the enemy. God's plans for your life are bigger than anything you could dream or imagine. That doesn't mean you're going to make more money than you sitting here thinking you're supposed to make, right? That's not gospel. That's not biblical, Okay. Guys, and when we grasp this, we, we say that we understand it, but in our day-to-day, -day, we're still over here trying to do everything on our own when really God just wants to meet us in our daily quiet time and give us the grace for the day. Give us our daily bread. That's what he wants to do for us. So that's one group struggling with giving yourself grace in the day-to-day, -day, but I believe there's another group here, and I want to end tonight talking to you. You're struggling to give yourself grace for sins that you committed. Some of these sins you committed maybe five years ago, one year ago, or just yesterday. And the funny thing is, you're looking at these religious leaders from the story earlier, and you're like, oh my gosh, I would never. I would never do that because I know what's in my closet. And for some reason, you think that the seat that you sit in is a safer seat. But I'm about to deal with you now, or should I say us, <laughs> because I myself have sat here. Let's look at Luke 23, 39 through 43. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The criminal acknowledged his sin, right? 
No one is telling you to have amnesia of your sins. That's, what I, that's not what I'm asking you to do. That's not what grace is. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Even though he acknowledged his sins, he knew. He said, I'm rightfully here. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. There was still something in him that still believed that this Savior on the cross had something to offer him. And Jesus didn't tell him, get away from me, you sinner. Right? He didn't say that. He said, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Guys, these are criminals. This, is, this was a criminal. We don't know what he could have done. Right? They could have been murderers. We don't know. But God said, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the type of God that we serve. Yet so many of us are living our everyday life tied to it with our sins tied to our back walking around as though if we keep holding on to them and replaying them in our mind then that will keep us close to the father we act like us holding our sins right here is exactly what Jesus wants from us right when ironically when we reject the very thing that Jesus died for grace right we are not doing him a favor we are doing ourselves a disservice living in guilt and shame is not pleasing to the father it is keeping you from the very thing he wants wants to do in your life paradise and I'm not even I'm not just talking about heaven though there's a level of joy and peace that the father wants you to experience right now whenever um my husband and I were in college <clears throat> we right after we graduated we started working and um he got an apartment I lived at home so that we could save for our wedding I tried to get him to stay with his parents so we could save, you know, double the money faster. And he was like, girl, you don't know my parents. I'm getting an apartment. So I was like, all right, cool. You know, so he moved into his apartment. And I lived at home with my parents and um, I lived about 45 minutes from my job. He lived about 20 minutes from my job. OK. And unfortunately, both of our passes, um, we struggled with sexual sin. We struggled um, that was the whole point, too, of me moving home with my parents because I wanted the additional accountability. Um, one day I was like, you know what? I'm not making the 45-minute drive. I'm going here. And there was just something about this time. We fell into temptation, and the next day I woke up, and I felt so heavy, y'all. Like I couldn't even get out of bed. I prayed. <laughs> kind of, I halfway mumbled a prayer. And then this thing happened that I will never forget. The Holy Spirit just overwhelmed me. And he said, do you really think that I'll be sitting in heaven in my throne, handing out gold stars to all the virgins and turning my face from everyone who's not a virgin? And I was like, no, God, like, that's crazy. And then he said, get up. The shame and guilt that you're feeling is from the enemy. It has nothing to do with me. Get up. And there was just something about the way that the Holy Spirit was faithful to speak to me in that moment. Little old me, right? To speak to me. And he decided to show up in my apartment, not even my apartment, my boyfriend at the time's apartment, right? A place I'm not even supposed to be, right? The Holy Spirit spoke to me in the midst of my sin, right? He didn't ask me to get right and then he would come to me. He spoke to me in that moment. 
Y'all, <laughs> the fact that I experienced God in that way, my love for the Lord grew so much. And it was that love, knowing that I serve such a good, good father that's not sitting in heaven, making sure I just get it right, right? That love is what drew me to him and drew me from a, a life of sin. Receiving that love, understanding that grace is what drew me to him. I would be doing you guys a disservice if I just said, okay, you know, grace is it. You know, you can do whatever you want as long as you receive grace, right? 1 John 5, 1 through 3. Everyone who believes that Jesus is, is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commandments. In fact, this is the love for God, to keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Grace is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. And when, the, when you truly understand the price that was paid for grace and grasp its very nature of grace, it pulls you closer to the Father. And that's what leads you away from a life of sin. When you understand the cost that was paid on the cross, that is when you grasp grace. That is what turns you away from the sinful habits. God, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. Lord, I thank you that you are a good, good father. Lord, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for us so that we don't have to continue to do that. So right now, Lord, I'm just praying in the name of Jesus that guilt would break in the name of Jesus, that shame would break in the name of Jesus. God, that the chains that we're living with and carrying in our day-to-day -day life, they would be broken right now in the name of Jesus. God, that every single person in this room would walk in freedom, the very freedom that you died for. I'm just speaking right now that Chi Alpha, God, is, is not just going to receive them, this grace for themselves, but that they would be known around campus for having so much grace, an overwhelming amount of grace, that people just get curious about the God that they serve. Father God, we're so thankful for your presence. We're thankful that you showed up tonight. And I'm thankful for the, the newfound freedom that my brothers and sisters will be able to walk in. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. We'd love to connect with you beyond this podcast. If you want more information about TCU Chi Alpha, visit tcuxa.com. God bless and go Frogs.